Hey everybody, this is Shannon Robnett with the Real Estate Rundown and I've got Joe Rosen uh, with me. He's out of uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Joe, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've got a little bit of that Canadian drawl in my, my uh, speech here, but uh, yeah, I was a real estate agent for five, six years up there in my 20s and I was a rock star. I was a top 2% guy, but I did not have the discipline to be consistent. I saw that myself, thank God, I was at least aware enough, even though I wasn't mature enough. So I joined the army, put 10 years into the army. Well, thank and, you for your uh, service. Absolutely. And I just uh, wrapped that up here in July. Uh, I came down to Port St. Lucie. This is week 36 for me. And uh, already my sales in 2020 rank me in the top 4% of sales in my roughly 6,000 agent uh, market here. So we're just... We're crushing it and it's all about just staying on the phones, building relationships and coming at it with the true intent to help people uh, over trying to sell stuff. So Joe, if I, if I ask you, what does this market look like compared to last year? You, you can't really tell me, uh, but, <laughs> I mean, what, but yeah. what you can tell me is that you're rocking it. I, I figured something out and yes, the numbers are looking good. We're happy with the numbers. Well, you know, Joe, uh, we connected on Facebook and, and uh, you know, one of the things that I saw you mention was, you know, your, your goal is that everybody's transacting and you want to be involved in the transaction. Tell me more about, about how, you, how you see the market. Let me ask you this. When you say, how do you see the market? Are you asking from a buyer and seller perspective or a realtor perspective? Well, your job is to sell stuff. So I'm asking you as a salesperson, how do yeah. you see the market? Let me answer all that, if, if you allow me to. From a buyer's perspective, I think right now it, it's pretty business as usual. Um, if you come in, and I did sell back in 2008, 2009. If you come in and you're saying, hey, this is a tough time, so I'm going to submit this horrible offer. It, it, it needs to be a horrible time for a long time. And I would argue that this is not as horrible as you think it is if you look at the numbers. So sellers are not feeling the need to bite on those offers. So if you're a buyer coming in with those kinds of offers, it's going to be tough. Not impossible, but tough. If you're a seller, I've been looking at the lagging seven days of pendings in my market every single day. And they've dropped a little bit, but it's been much less than the amount of listings that are coming off the market. Which means if I'm a seller, even though the buyers are a little bit smaller, my competition is considerably smaller. So honestly, it's a better time to sell now than it was three, four weeks ago. Well, and that's what I was just telling my son. Uh, we were talking about a, a couple, you know, listings that he's got coming. And, and that's, that's the point is, you know, there's always buyers. In every market, there's buyers. In every market, there's sellers. But what we see right now is there's a lot of potential sellers that are sitting on the sidelines and the buyers are still the buyers. I can understand the perception and the scare. And if you watch the news for more than 10 minutes, uh, even I get scared. I got to turn that stuff off and get back <laughs> exactly. to reality. You know, it, it yeah. messes with your mind. We're human. Right. So uh, for me, I've really tried to turn the TV off. And because those guys are trying to sensationalize it, you know, one way or another. That's how, that's how they sell advertising. They that's how they sell get advertising. Ready. And I get that. I understand that. So for me, I feel if I'm going to be the best professional I can be, I need to be aware that I'm biased and I need to be aware that I have a brain that can be manipulated and I need to keep myself into the stats every single day because that is what speaks the truth. So for me, when I look at the stats, the market really hasn't changed a lot. Will it change in a month and two months and three months if we keep doing this? Maybe to what extent nobody knows and anybody who does is, is full of BS, but uh, you just don't know. But right now when you're looking at the market, I don't have a problem telling sellers to come on. In fact, 
it, in this snapshot of time, I think it's a better time to come on now than it was a few weeks ago. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Joe. I'm actually listing my house this week for that exact reason because I've seen, you know, I've seen the numbers are down. Uh, I see that, you know, the other thing that I see is, you know, your neighbors to the north, when this is all over with, they're going to look around New York City and they're going to realize that if this happens again and they get stuck someplace for 21 days, uh, Florida's a whole lot nicer place to be stuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and what they can afford in Florida versus, you know, their, their Manhattan penthouse or whatever that is, Crazy. they can buy a whole lot more that allows them to stand outside. And yeah. so, you know, here in Idaho, we see a lot of that same thing. We, we've already had, we have a huge in-migration of Oregonians and Washingtonians and Californians. But I think when they, when they lift the ban, I think we're going to see a lot more people realizing that if I, I could actually get stuck somewhere, I need to like it. Yeah, yeah we're actually seeing a, a huge influx also, specifically from New Jersey and New York. And, you know, a large percentage of the clientele that I work with down here in Florida has been New York, New Jersey folks. Because, uh, you know, once you build a connection with a certain group of people, you start to get their cousins and their aunts and their uncles. That's right. So, yeah, so that's a lot of who I've been working with. Um, and if I heard correctly, the other day we actually have a ban in this state from people flying in from those two states specifically. Maybe there were a couple more uh, for that reason. But yeah, it's it's really something to think about, you know, because I know when we were looking at where we're going to plant ourselves and build our business, the population was a big deal from a business aspect. I wanted enough people that I could really crush it. Um, something like this kind of makes you rethink that. Like, is that really truly? And when you look at, like you said, the prices, a lot of the clients that I've got coming down, I'll warn them because I'm used to Minnesota and the places I was in the army was, I was next to you out in Washington and it was pretty, okay. pretty cheap uh, taxes out there in Olympia. And even in Maryland, I, it was relatively cheap. So coming down here, I thought taxes were extremely high. Well, I'm telling that to my New York and New Jersey clients. And they're like, Hey, you're crazy. Yeah. Same place. I'm paying 15 grand and I'm like 15 grand. That's nuts. Yeah. So it's all perspective. It is, you know, and I think, I, I, I think that that fits with buying. I think that fits with selling. I think that fits with the market that we have right now. You know, if you walk out today and you go, Hey man, this is what I'm stuck with. We're, we're in the middle of this coronavirus. You can still have the perspective that you're having an awesome day. How do you, I mean, you know, and I've seen your videos and I've seen what you're posted and you always seem to have that perspective. How yeah. do you maintain that? Well, number one, I am having an awesome day just to start off with that. Uh, and number two, I think that again, it comes back to perspective and maturity. I think it's really easy to get off of that mindset. It's really easy because everybody does it right to fit in in a conversation and complain about things, talk about how horrible the weather is. And I don't even know if people do it because they are truly negative, at least in the beginning. I think it's more because it's socially acceptable that when one person complains about the weather, you start joining in. Because if you're the positive one, that, you know, that kind of clashes a little bit. So people just kind of get on that train. But, you know, I have forced myself to listen to 10, 20 minutes of Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, whoever it is, David Goggins. I'm in love with that guy now. Yeah, I know, uh, man. That guy's got a story, doesn't he? When you listen to his story, it is hard to take anything that we're dealing with right now. Unless you have somebody who just died from coronavirus, right, it's right. hard to take anything seriously when you're listening to people complain right now. Yeah. Because that guy went through some tough times and, and he got through just fine. And I look, you know, I always talk about, especially right now while we're quarantined, I was on, 
I think I led 100, 200 combat missions over in Afghanistan. Some of those missions were really easy. Some of those missions sucked. Some of those missions you slept in a dirt hole for, you didn't know how long. It ended up being weeks and you had water and MREs, which are horrible meals. (laughs) And you didn't know if you were going to be there for a day or a month. You had no clue. And you had no clue if you were getting into a gunfight that day. You had no idea if it was going to be 29 degrees that night or if it was going to be 70 degrees. And it just like nobody care. It's not that they don't care about you, but your job is to crush it over there. And it is meaningful. And however cold you are or bored you are or lack of, you know, connection you have with your family, you think you have, it just doesn't matter compared to you having to get the mission done. So when you come with that perspective, what in America could possibly, I could be homeless right now in my state of Florida and I'm in a better position than I was in sometimes when I was in Afghanistan. So I just don't give a damn. I'm here to work. My uh, you know, that, that is, that is an awesome place to be at. And, you know, I, I, I think that there's a lot of people here in America that don't appreciate what they do have in their worst day. True. And, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we've got, we, we do have so much and yet we, we feel that we're entitled to, that plus some and you know your your last couple of years especially uh over there in afghanistan really ring true for how a lot of the world lives um you know and uh we we sit here and and we we are dealing with what we're dealing with with coronavirus with modern medicine we're not in you know we're not in uh the the ghettos of calcutta or you know that, that kind of a thing so you're right. We really do have a lot to be thankful for and, and making sure that our mindset is focused on that uh, really will change whether or not you see it as a glass half full or a glass half empty. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe, I want to ask you, obviously you have picked up on some things that, that others haven't because in, in your 36 weeks, you're, you're in the top of your game. What is it that you saw others doing that you're mimicking that are allowing you to kill it? Three biggest things, and two of them are very similar. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is having your schedule for tomorrow made today and sticking to it. And even if you stick to 70, 80% of it, you're ahead of 99% of your peers. And I find that everybody nods their head and says, that's a great idea. I agree with that. But when you actually get into because I sit down with a lot of agents and do business planning with them for free. They all know about it. They all agree that it's- Wait a minute. You're in the business 36 weeks. And yeah. you're sitting down with other agents and helping them plan their business. Well, yeah, you got to remember though. I was, I'm not a rookie. I'm not as big a rookie as I sound because I used to be a top. To how well you must be not only crushing it in your game, but showing your leadership skills to those around you that in 36 weeks, they've already recognized that. And they've asked you to help them. Yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, let's give you some credit where you, I mean, come on, don't back away from the credit. You deserve some pretty serious kudos for that. I'm, I'm truly obsessed in love with, and it does stem from the army. You know, once I was a mid-level level leader, you take those brand new soldiers and you have to get them up to where they need to be because whether you like it or not, whether you have the mature enough mindset or not as a mid-level leader, you're going to go up and up and up. And if you don't position those guys to be able to take your position, my army, my country, my family is going to be in a worse position. You just, that gets ingrained in your mind throughout a decade. And now 
I, I mean, I've got guys at different companies coming up to me and they're thinking, what are you getting out of this? Why are you helping me? And I say, listen, you can do, you can be the number one realtor in my market and you're not doing 1% of this market. So yeah, like we're not competing. You might right. think we're competing. We're not competing. I don't know how this is going to help me, but it's, I guarantee it's going to help me. Maybe we're going to have a smoother transaction down the road. Maybe you're going to put a Facebook post. I don't know what, I don't know, but it always repays me 10 times when I go out and help people. So I just go with the, the intent to help. And the consequence has always always as a whole maybe not individually but as a whole it's always been greater than whatever effort i've had to put in always well and you know th that's that's such a true statement and you know then you're elevating the real estate game yes you know you're i mean you, you know that's a huge statement it is because there's so many people that you know every every time the market starts to swing up we have all kinds of people jumping into the game because, you know, I don't know what the licensing is there in, in Florida, but here it's, a, uh, it's 80 hours of, or 40 hours of class time and, and, a, and a pretty simple test. Yeah. And, and then you're an agent, but that doesn't teach you anything about this. And so there's a, there's a huge perception of, of agents not knowing what they're doing. And you're dealing with 100000 or or $300,000, $500,000 transactions yeah. on a regular basis and bringing up the, the younger ones or the newer ones to make it to where we have a better deal, yes. it means a lot that the people that we serve, the, the, the general public that is buying and selling houses will look at us less likely uh, as, <laughs> as uh, charlatans and really as business yes. people. Uh, yep. And you, know, you get paid 3% to know what you know, you better know it. And yes. uh, so that's, a, that's an awesome thing, man. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, is you seem to be very passionate about real estate, but what, what is Joe passionate about in the in the in the non-working hours and I know real estate there are no such thing but I told you a time block so I'm up at 5 30 and I immediately work out and then I'm immediately working uh and I work until six o'clock I take six to seven at night and I spend that with my family I got two little girls seven and four uh and that is not bendable and I know a lot of here here's I want to throw this out there too a lot of agents think that's a problem because oh my gosh what if I have a listing appointment at six move it. Yeah. You've got an appointment with your family, move it. And I'll tell you, I have had maybe one or two issues in 36 weeks with that. And every single person has been talked off the ledge and they're like, okay, I can respect that you're with your family. Cause I'm working like 84 hours a week. I was telling them, if you can't find a time for me in 84 hours, right. you're the problem. <laughs> I mean, I say it jokingly, but sure. But the reality, uh, is, the reality is that too. I mean, you know, you have a life, yeah. you have, you have commitments and, and yeah, a lot so. of times people need to respect you as much as you respect them and say, Hey, listen, I, I get it. But seven yeah. 15, I can be there. I spend time with my family from nine to 10. I spend time with my wife. We usually play cards or watch a movie or something. Uh, and then I take all day sun Sunday off. Um, I hate I to take a weekend off, but uh, my kids are in school on weekdays. So you can't. Yeah. And I got to throw this out there too. I'm a big baseball card collector. So I've got, okay. uh, I guess that's the one nerdy thing I do. That's not related to real estate, but I've got all kinds of 1934 and older uh, graded baseball cards. So I've got like Ty Cobbs, Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner's. Wow. I love it. Yeah. And what's the address to swing by and get some of those? <laughs> <laughs> I get out of here. <laughs> so, uh, so I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, it's obvious that you give back to your industry and, and everything, but what, what would be your advice that you would give to buyers? What is it that you would say to them in this time of, change. I mean, this is not a normal market. Yeah. 
I actually put a video out about this about a month or two ago uh, before this even happened, right? And because you get a lot of buyers who want to come in and they want to come in 20, 30, 40 grand under, and they don't know what realistic is. They know the myth of the myth of the myth of the story that their brother, brother's cousin's daughter told them, you know, and you're like, exactly. okay, here's reality. Exactly. And it so, really wasn't the daughter. It was the son. So that, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I always say, listen, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to show you exactly what the average sales price compared to original asking price is. In our market, it's about a 3% difference. Right. So if you're looking at a $300,000 home, it's probably going to sell for about 291. I mean, that's the average, right? So if you're coming in 20 grand under, that is more than double the normal reduction that we see. So just, just be aware of that. Right. Uh, if you want to be the person who gets the 20, 30, $40,000 under, Number one, you can, but number two, you're going to have to submit a load of purchase agreements potentially. Number three, you can't be married to a specific property because if you are and you fall in love with it, if they say no, you're out of luck, right? And you right. got to be in the mindset of I'll take anything, which is not a lot of buyers. Right. So when you look at all that combined, while a lot of people want a good deal, they want the home they fall in love with more than they want the good deal usually. If you're an investor or like me, when I was in the army, I knew I was only going to be at this spot for three years. And I also had a real estate background, so I didn't care. So right. I would find three, four houses I liked. I would put in offers on them. And the one that came with, with the best deal, we went with it. And I didn't care if it was my favorite home, but that was because I knew I only had to commit to it for two, three years. I had a real estate background and I didn't fall in love with anything. Most right. people aren't like that. So you got to know yourself. Yeah. No. And I think that that's, I think that that's an awesome point because, you know, you, I think you're, you're managing expectations and when you're putting yes. the right buyer with the right scenario, uh, that's when you're coming up with a, with a winning solution. You yeah. know, I, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. I, I think I was 23 years old moving into my 24th home. We moved a lot oh. and yeah, we, we were all over the map. I mean, we had, when I was in high school, we had, we just moved all of our stuff into a parade of home that my dad had built and everything. Well, we were just finishing the cleaning on the house. My dad was there. At, somebody came in, offered a full price. They bought the house. We had to hurry up and move our stuff into storage, but we'd already sold the house we lived in. And so, you know, we had, we, we, we had to find something quick and that was yeah. always my life. So, so to me, you know, the, the second scenario would be right. The other thing that I found a lot of people do is they educate them on the difference in the payment. So when you're looking at that and you're going to come in $10,000 less yep. and, and this is the kind of loan you're going to qualify for and this is your down payment and is it really worth the $18? Yep. I mean, this, this, is, this is what you're trying to do. You're going to, because I'm not going to have to explain it to your wife. You're going to have to explain it to your wife why 18 yeah. bucks, she can't have this house, you know, yes. it's perfect, John. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point too, because, and I think, you know, what you're saying alludes to a different point, which is you got to find the pain of the people, right? Everybody's got their thing that they're really, because people tend to stay away from pain more than they go towards pleasure. You, you might not think right. it, but you do. And so if you can stay away from the pain and, and if their pain is, their monthly payment and they're like, Oh my gosh, that monthly payment's so high. And you can show them and they're thinking 10 grand. That's a lot. Like, and, and they're thinking monthly payment, but they're not putting a number to it. If you put that number to it and you're like right. 
they might, ooh, it doesn't sound as bad as I thought it was. 10 grand, right. grand sounds big. 18 doesn't sound that big. Right. So yeah, what, whatever it is, whether it's the payment or it's the kitchen or it's the taxes or you got to find that pain and help them overcome it. And, and I'm such a big fan of not, like, I just don't care if I sell anybody anything. Right. My job is to make you absolutely happy and confident with your decision, which absolutely will not be a perfect decision because there is no perfect house. Right. Uh, and as long as you're aware of all that, when you make that decision, dude, let's, mm, let's get it, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So what is your, um, what do you, what do you see happening? You know, if, if John's got a crystal ball, what do you see happening in the, in the market in the next 90 days with everything that's going on? So it's a complete guess. So I, yeah, I want to no, start by saying I have no idea. I do think that, I mean, he's already put out that we're, we're going to be, you know, under house arrest or whatever you want to call it until the end of uh, April here. Um, looking at everything that I've seen in the scientific community, I have a tough time believing that that is the end of it. Um, I, I think that they're probably going to have to extend that. Um, I, I don't know if that's true or not. And honestly, for me, I am built to always assume the worst and hope for the best. Right. So I'm just going to assume, and listen, this is not me thinking this. I do not think that that's what's going to happen. I do think it's going to get extended. I do not think it's going to be 2008, but that's what I'm planning for. My whole business right now is built around a meltdown and how am I going to come at this from a virtual standpoint? And that's what every professional in any industry needs to do. Because right. if it's anything above that, which it will be, you're way ahead, man. Anybody who thought of all the stuff that people are doing now virtually four weeks ago, they're way ahead of you and I. Right. You and I are catching up to them. We can do that. We're going to get ahead of other people when we get out of this. So come with the mindset of the worst, but have the expectations and, and just genuine appreciation of the best. Right. So what do I think will happen? I think it's probably going to get extended a few more weeks. I think if they don't, I mean, when I look at when they're going to get the drug to fix this, everything I read says it's going to take six to 12 months. So the drug is not going to be the cure. It's going to have to be like an actual lockdown. It's and going to I run think, its course, essentially. But I think that would take a year. I think it would take a year because you've got so many like, okay, 100,000 people have it. 200,000 people have it. Let's just say it starts getting down and it's only 10,000 people who have it. Well, soon as we're all allowed to go back out into the community, it's just going to spread again, unless you have the drug. So for me, I feel like the only way it's going to stop is a complete shutdown for a month or two. Like everybody, you have to stay in your house or they get the drug. Now, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I hope there's a third <laughs> option that makes sense. Sure. But I also don't care. Like for right. me, I think the whole mindset is you just figure out ways to crush it for your clients. Not even for your business. If yeah. you figure out ways to crush it for your clients, you are figuring out ways to crush it for your business. Right. Yeah. And I, and I really like what you're saying about, you know, hey, from, from the baseline, if you're, if you're expecting the worst, anything is better than that. And yes. so, you know, if, if, we're, if, we're out of, if we're out of here in three weeks versus six weeks, awesome. Then, then awesome. You know, that's one of the things that I've seen is where, you know, I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings and, and everything started last year, just trying to, you know, be a little bit easier to get a hold of. And, and I like the face to face versus the phone call and everything. And I've just seen how other people are now adapting to it. And, you know, I saw something the other day that said, we just, it took the coronavirus to show us what meetings could have been an email. Yes. You know, 
and and I see where we're being moved into the the 21st century, whether we like it or not, because yes. we have the social distancing protocols yep. in place, and the virtual tours that have been out there for a long time, but have been a hard sell. Yeah, we're now really the only option. Standard baby, you know. I just put one uh, under contract this morning, about six hours ago. Haven't and even I seen went it. There, I FaceTimed her, walked around the whole vacant property myself. Uh, she was good. She told me how she wanted me to write up the offer. I wrote up the offer. I sent it to her. We've got the inspection scheduled. And when the inspector's out there, he's going to FaceTime both of us. We'll have a three-way discussion about what we want to do, not do whatever. And nobody will ever come in contact with anybody. And now I might be a little behind the ball here, but my title company is working out ways to do virtual closings, which I hear a lot of people are getting on board with. Yeah. You won't even have to have a person with a person. It's all just video like this. That's right. And we've, we've, uh, I've done a lot of electronic closings, uh, which is, which is convenient. It's nice. You know, send me the docs. I review it at my time. I get them signed, DocuSign, I get them sent back. But you know, the thing about that, so, so where's this guy? Is she in, is she in Florida or is she from out of state? Oh yeah, she's local. She okay. lives 10 minutes from me. Okay. So she, she knows she's, has she seen the property or no, she's. Nope. So do you think, I just want to, I want to dig into the story a little bit. Yeah. Is she actually going to see the property before she owns it? Yeah. I asked her if she wanted to see it when the inspector was there and she, her, her face went like this. So she has <laughs> no desire to come and look at that property. But you know, we were pretty uh, in depth on the FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not a salesman. So I point out all the negatives. They trust me. And yeah, I think but, that- but you know, you have to understand the steps that our society has taken that, yes. I mean, yep. think back to when you, you know, when you were doing this the first time around, how would you have ever convinced anybody that pictures were enough to buy something off of? Well, and I think this too, you know, you can't get into commissions as a realtor, but I, I'll say low commissions and high commissions. I am a higher commission guy. And I always tell agents who've been in for a while who complain about like, I don't know how you do it. It's impossible to get those high commissions. Everybody wants low commissions. And I say, listen, you don't believe in yourself. Right. You don't believe in the benefits you're giving people. So you've sold yourself before you walk in the door. They can read that. People read more than you think they read. Oh, yeah. And there's like, you are not going to sell that. There's no way you're going to sell that until you get over this part. If I get a rookie agent who is way worse than you, way less experienced, and just doesn't know what normal commissions are, and I tell them to go up that's really high commission, they're going to get it 80% of the time because they don't know any different. Right. So I think that this has done the same thing with virtual everything. Here I'm talking about showings. Before I thought, well, I wouldn't want to buy a house through FaceTime. So why would I expect my clients to? But now I'm thinking this is the best way to do it. It's the yeah. only way to do it. And yes, yeah. like this lady needs to buy. It is, it is a way better decision for her to take whatever FaceTime risk she is than the alternative. So right. I feel 100% comfortable with it. And just my brain being in that, that mode, she's going to be in that mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's fantastic. You know, and especially when you look at, you know, how, how accepting we are of the, of the digital space Yeah. You know? and, and with the virtual tours and everything else, you know, she's seen the house, she's seen the layout, she's seen where it's at, you know, she can, she can, I mean, 
jump on Google Earth. She can see the backyard. She yep. can see it for the, I mean, there, there's really, I mean, you know, you can probably find a, an app that will let you look at the ring doorbell of your neighbor across the street and see what it looks like from over there. You know, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, that's just phenomenal. John, I think you could sell anything to anybody. Why are you selling real estate? Well, I'll tell you, I honestly wanted to get into financials when I was getting out of the army because I am obsessed with stocks and bonds and financials and mutual funds. I wrote my master's thesis on the privatization of social security, as exciting oh, wow. as that sounds. Yeah. And, and a big that part of that exciting, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> was reaching out to banks and talking about how that would work if you were, because my whole thing is I don't like what the government's investing my social security dollars in. I want to invest it in something completely different. Um, and I want the ability to do that. So I walked through that whole process. I just get so obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with like just steady people like Warren Buffett and Charlie right. Munger. And right. I love it. So I really wanted to do that. But when I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, my desire for real estate, my passion for real estate is probably an A minus for finances and stocks and bonds and all that stuff. It's an A, but I know what I'm doing. I've been extremely successful with real estate. And I'd be starting from scratch in the financial world. And really my passion isn't that much different. So I went with what I knew I could succeed at. The reality is uh, the stock market is as much of a whipsaw as it is back and forth right now. It's uh, that would definitely uh, fit your risk profile. I mean, from a guy oh, yeah. that likes the, the, that was running around in Afghanistan on, on critical missions and gunfights, I think the real estate market is not quite there for you. I think the stock market is really where you want to find your excitement. <laughs> We've talked about real estate. We've talked about your positive attitude and the fact that every day you're getting up and you're, you're digging what's going on because there's always a buyer. There's always a seller digging them up yes. and finding them and making deals yes. is what you're about. Let me ask you another question though, John, what does wealth mean to you? I think that wealth is being in the financial position to do what you want to do the majority of your day. Uh, whether that's owning a whole bunch of rentals and having the income come in, or whether it's having millions of dollars in the bank and you're feeding off of the three, 4% you're taking off every month or every year. Um, you know, to me, it's building assets that allow you to spend more time doing what you truly want to do. But I really do think that the currency of life, man, and this is where I get deep and corny, is happiness. No, nah, so, I get you, man. Yeah, I tell people all the time, like, they'll say they're not as, I'm not as driven as you. I can't imagine not being around my family or doing my video games or whatever it is that they want to do. And I say, listen, maybe you don't need to make 500 grand a year, right? Maybe you need to make 50 grand and play your video games and go on less vacations and spend more yeah. time with your family. Yeah. That's what makes you happy. This is not the way you have to move forward. Uh, this is just what makes me tick. Right. But that doesn't mean it has to be what makes you tick. So really, I think that when it comes down to it, money's really cool. Money solves a lot of problems. Um, but money is not pure happiness. You have to focus on the happiness. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. So basically, according to uh, your model, Guys like uh, Warren Buffett, they're wealthy in both regards because oh, yeah. he's, he's still doing, he could have quit a long time ago. It wasn't about having the most chips. It was about doing what he loved doing. And, yes. uh, you know, you, you see, uh, I don't know if you've watched, uh, there's a Netflix thing out there and I'm doing, a, I'm, I'm watching TV for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Uh, 
but the the mind of Bill Gates and and oh, yeah. watching what that guy does just when he doesn't have to do anything is amazing. Yep. And that sounds exactly like what you're saying is is your idea of wealth because it allows you to do what you want to do. And I I think John, I think you would still be mentoring. I think you would still be passionate. I think you would still be solving problems, whether that was financial problems and 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 how to invest money for people, or whether that's where they're going to abide in a home, what they're going to do with their life. I think I think you're still going to be solving problems well past uh, the equation of what do you need to pay the rent. So absolutely. Hey, John, is there anything else you want to say to our listeners uh, that we haven't covered about real estate or about the current state of economies? Uh, I, I would say this to anybody in sales, whether you're in real estate sales, insurance sales, car sales, it doesn't matter. Um, you'd asked me earlier what I would say is the biggest thing leading to my success. And I got into time blocking and building a schedule. I think the number two thing is staying on the phones. Uh, I think that a lot of people today think social media is huge, which it is, and there's a way to use it and implement it, but it is not voice to voice. It's a way to brand yourself. It's a way to market yourself. But to actually get a sale done for someone to actually feel like you saw me on social media uh, and that branded me and it it started a conversation, which started a video, but you didn't feel comfortable enough probably where you wanted to buy a house with me. Right. It's a conversation like this and for you to kind of feel who I am, where I'm coming from. But now we've been talking for an hour you hopefully feel a little more comfortable with who I am, where I'm coming from. And now you might be warming up to me. So many people hate getting on the phones and having conversations because they don't like rejection. Right. They don't like knocking on doors. And and I'm just, I'm going to tell you, if you are struggling in sales, the answer is get on the doggone phones. I don't care if you're the worst salesman in the world. If you're doing double the calls I'm doing, you're going to beat me. Yeah. You're going to beat me. It's true. It's true. Uh, and you know, even if I, even if I didn't want to buy a house, I think after this conversation, I'm swept up enough in your positive energy that I think I do ah. want to buy one. <laughs> so, so maybe we could get a compensation agreement over and a, and a listing agreement and we can, we can, we can do some business. Sure. So, sounds good. <laughs> hey, John, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for, for your perspective, but more than anything, John, I want to thank you for your attitude because in in today's world right now there are so many people that have a a a wrong perspective or or a doomsday perspective or a grumpy cat perspective on what's going on out there and you know we you and i have a different perspective of how this thing ends but we still have the same perspective that it doesn't help to face it with a grump on your face and, 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 and kicking the dog and that kind of stuff. So John, I want to thank you for everything that you are in your community and and to your fellow realtors. And I want to thank you again for your time today on the RobNet real estate rundown. So if you guys want to, uh, we'll have this up here real soon and you can find him, uh, John Rosen out of uh, Florida on the real estate rundown. Thanks guys.